Hi, it's Dave. And when we founded Galactic Netcasts back in 2011, we did it not to make money or become the most popular podcast network on the planet. We did it first to get together with friends, to share our love of all things geeky like aliens and sci-fi. Of course, we've since broadened that out to include things like comic books, the paranormal, video games, board games, horror, science, and other topics. And over the years, we've never really asked you to do more than subscribe and maybe share our stuff with friends of yours who may like it too. And we've hardly ever came out and asked you directly for any kind of financial support until now. And we're not asking you to make a huge commitment or even something like Netflix, which is like $8 a month. But if you like what we do, please consider pledging at least $1 a month to help us cover operational costs like web and audio hosting. And maybe sometime in the future, we'll have enough in the budget for some advertising. Who knows? A bunch of people giving a dollar a month can add up pretty quickly. For us, just you listening is good enough. But if you want to do more, go to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. Again, that's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash galactic netcasts. Check out our rewards and you might decide to commit to more than a dollar a month. Either way, we thank you. And now, without further ado, here's your podcast. And of course, as always, a production of Galactic Netcasts. And before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. And these stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 17th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 19th of July. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you don't confuse Robert E. Howard and Edgar Rice Burroughs while you're gathered at the meeting table. Uh, it's a call back to our episode uh, with Kenneth Height that we had yesterday in which I started to have a discussion and uh, actually had the two confused and I felt like quite a dork so there you go uh <laughs> anyways moving on uh my second in command here is glenn bittner and uh appreciate having him along for the ride he is a movie reviewer uh he has a youtube channel uh, show called the b movie bunker and he is also the creator of the rpg mist runner how are you today glenn uh you i'm doing good <laughs> That wasn't in English. What was that? He he likes to his thing is he likes to hit me with some kind of accent or some kind of something. Uh, ah, fantastic. Trying that, to do that. trying to do his best to throw me off is how that how that goes. Uh, I think we should both I take, I take the whole great time. offense at you thinking that my native tongue is, is <laughs> some way to throw you off, Brad. <laughs> See, I'm so used to it. Um, uh, 
Sorry, and and uh, uh, the other voice that you are hearing is uh, Benjamin Looms, and he is uh, from Australia, and uh, we are recording this at uh, 9 p.m. Central Time, and it is noon, uh, well, a little yes. afternoon, in, yes. in Sydney, Australia. You are based, so, so you are in, sorry. Yeah, so I should speak in a broad Australian accent the whole time and go up at the end of my sentences, like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, we're being serious. Yes, I, I am in, based in Sydney, which is uh, freezing cold at the moment. Uh, we've had uh, unseasonally, well, it is winter, but it's never usually sort of below 10 degrees centigrade. I have no idea what that is in Fahrenheit. And uh, we had snow right up in Queensland and uh, snow pretty much all over the East Coast, except where I live, where it's just been cold rain, which has been not very thrilling at all. Uh, yeah, that can't be good. And yeah, it's it's winter season uh, on and mm -hmm. that side of the globe. So it's mm -hmm. and we did see you know some news here. You, know, you don't think of uh, of snow in Australia, and and mm -hmm. it, it does happen. But when as an American you see that you're like, wow, but it's so hot, and there's you know you hear about <laughs> you know water water and drought issues in some parts of Australia. Mm -hmm. You don't really make that connection of hey, they get snow too. In mm. some parts of Australia, so that's been that's right. been been kind of an eye opener. Uh, Benjamin uh, works for uh, Sirenscape, and mm -hmm. uh, for our listeners who um, have uh, been uh, listening to our earlier episodes, we talked about uh, Sirenscape uh, releasing uh, audio, uh, an audio package for Rise of the Rune Lords for uh, Paizo's Pathfinder, and. Uh, it was so fascinating to us that we really wanted to reach out to to the folks at Sirenscape, and and Benjamin was kind enough to uh, lend his time uh, to to speak to us and uh, give us a little bit more insight into Sirenscape and and what they can offer for uh, your RPG settings when you when you play games. So uh, thank you. I look forward to it. <laughs> We're glad you're here, <laughs> and uh, you have a, a wonderful background in in music. Um, you know, I, I was just doing a little. Yeah. I feel a little creepy doing the back, you know, some of the background stuff to find out more about the guests. So, uh, but uh, you are you're the musical director at the Artology's Watt Opera project. Yes, Watt Opera is an amazing project where uh, we go into a school, a musical director. So I'm I'm the composer and pianist and uh, conductor and a director, so a theatrical director and also okay. an assistant, and we go into a school for a day a week for five weeks and high school kids get to write an operatic work, you know, meaning a, a, a drama with music and words and sure. acting uh, from scratch and they have they have complete creative control over it, which some of them take quite a while to uh, accept, you know, you're not going to tell us anything we're not allowed to do, we, we could do toast in space, yep, go for it, if you want to do toast in space, it's absolutely <laughs> up to you and, you know, it's basically no swearing and no, you know, no sort of disrespect basically sure. and apart from that they can investigate any topics they like, and and yeah, the dramatic works they produce are, are quite incredible and remarkable. So yeah, I'm I'm a singer and a pianist, and uh, work a lot as a musician, and uh, and I'm an absolute massive tabletop gaming fan as well. So music oh, at the table, and and really really realistic live natural music, just like in a movie that adds to your game rather than distracting uh, the GM or distracting the players, is is sort of a total logical thing for me, and that's why that's why I built Sirenscape. Oh, that's wonderful. And, it, you know, you've already answered one of the questions I was going to ask you. So, boom, we're off to the races already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start with our uh, our game hmm. review. 
Uh, then we're going to go to the gaming news, talk about our Kickstarter spotlight, and then we are going to uh, jump right into the interview with Benjamin Looms. So, uh, Glenn, what do you have for us uh, this time out for review? Well, do you like your food spicy? Because I do, which means I like peppers. And we have the game Scoville. Scoville uh, came out just last year. Uh, it's by Ed Marriott, and it's put out by Tasty Menstrual Games. Um, I'm going to just read the uh, little blurb that they have, actually, from from uh, Board Game Geek. So, the town of Scoville likes it hot, very hot. That means they love their peppers, but they're too busy eating them to grow them themselves. That's where you come in. You've been hired by the town of Scoville to meet their need for heat. Your role as an employee of Scoville is to crossbreed peppers to create the hottest new breeds. You'll have to manage the auctioning, planning, and harvesting, and you'll be able to help the town by fulfilling their orders and creating new pepper breeds. Help make the town of Scoville a booming success. This, uh, when I first saw this game, I wasn't expecting much because it it, it didn't look like the type of game that I would normally play. It, it kind of has that kind of worker placement, resource management, and it looks like it should be a much uh, longer game than it is. It plays in like 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and once you know what you're doing, it's closer to 60 that I've found for the most part. Um, but what you need to do is is you basically have you have a field, and you're planting peppers in these fields. You have all these little wooden, basically, pepper meeples uh, that like, fit nicely in the board. The board is actually indented, so when you plant the peppers, they stay in place. You don't have to worry about them, someone bumping the board and knocking everything everywhere because there's little pepper-sized holes that the peppers fit into. Okay. Um and then whenever you, whenever you harvest things, it, it's based on what peppers your farmer's standing between. So if you're standing between two peppers, you look at this little chart, and they'll say, okay, between those two peppers, you'll get this type of pepper. And you're trying to create the best mixes in the field so that you can harvest better peppers. Um, the thing I like most is the, the way that turn order works. The start of every turn, you have a blind auction where everyone's going to take some of their money, they're going to hold it in their hand, and everyone's going to basically count of three, show how much they're bidding to determine the play order. And what I like about it is that you really have to think about what you want to do because if you get the highest bid, you pick where you go in the, in the order of play for that next turn. But play order constantly flops around. So do you want to plant first? Because if you plant first, that means you'll be harvesting last. But if you plant last, you'll harvest first. So it's all based on where you want to go. Because there's limited space on the board, if you harvest after everyone else, someone might take your space. And also where you wanted to go to get that, you know, that great pepper, you can't because there's someone standing there. And unlike the real world, you can't just push people out of your way and step on their necks. <laughs> so um, it's, that's, that's one thing I really liked is that, is that you aren't completely hosed if you are quote-unquote going last because you'll be going last at some things, but you'll be going first at others. Okay. So I really like that a lot. And it's not just, you're not just simply collecting the peppers. There are orders you're trying to fulfill, which will give you rewards. There's also a chili cook-off going on where you can cash in peppers to create chili recipes. <laughs> um, so you score points in a lot of different ways. It's, it's just really nifty. There's uh, If you're the first person to harvest specific peppers, you get some more from the town as well. Um, but all these things are limited. You know, if, if, I, if I cash in, if I grab one of the chili recipes, that recipe's gone. No one else can get it because I made it. It's gone. Okay. 
So yeah, it's it's just a really a really interesting game that that really kind of took me by surprise. And I actually got to meet uh, the creator was in my store yesterday. <laughs> just stopped by. He happens to live over in Madison, um, and he stopped by, and uh, I talked to him a little bit. Unfortunately, this one right now they're they're getting ready to do a second print run because the first one is sold out. If you can find a copy. Good luck right now. Um, yeah. Okay. But I, I think it's a game worth having if if you like if you like that kind of a little bit of resource management and that type of stuff, but nothing that you want something super heavy. This is a great game. It it fills that 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 void that I had where I wanted a quicker play uh, resource management. I like the aspect or the idea of resource management, but so many of those games can bog down into three four hours, and I don't. I don't. I'm not that gamer anymore for the most part. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, I mean, we've talked before my attention span doesn't go beyond 3 hours in a game. Yeah. Uh so I'm getting uh, old and my time is limited. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Once you get a little bit older, it's like your your time you just don't have as much free time as you used to. So um it looks like um <clears throat> at least as of this time it was uh Thirty dollars for the game, twenty nine ninety nine US. Um, really? Yeah, looking and I'm I've hopped on to uh, boardgamegeek.com to take a look at uh, Scoville. Okay. Um, it looks like I'm trying to find. Yeah, so it's it's around thirty US. If you can, and it, who knows, this could sell out tomorrow, and then you're gonna have to wait until this next print run comes out. And uh, if you do find a copy, you know, God help you, you're gonna empty your wallet trying to, to get it. But um, it is uh, okay. That's on okay. That's on the geek. You've got it for they got it for thirty. Amazon still does have it. That's right. He did tell me that, and I just okay. didn't pay attention because Amazon isn't my store, and it makes me no money, so I ignore it. <laughs> uh, just uh, uh, for point of reference, especially for for Benjamin here, uh, Glenn works for a uh, a gaming store. In uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cool. So he's you know constantly surrounded by by games of all sorts and varieties. So uh, yeah. he's he knows what's what's what, and he's got his finger on the pulse on stuff. So um, wow. some some I, stuff. I big dream of, of many gamers. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was a point in time where I worked at a, a comic and game shop as well in the early '90s. So that's where you know I kind of got my mm. bug and. I kind of I'm I'm jealous of of Glenn sometimes for the you know there, the there access was, that he has. Yeah, there was a time when I used to spend so much time sort of just hanging around looking at things on the shelves that I think some of the other customers thought that I worked there. So people ask you advice every now and then, <laughs> which you can answer because you know the store backwards. <laughs> yep. No, exactly. Um, it looks like Scoville won the 2014 Golden Geek Best Board Game Artwork and Presentation. It, it is a really nice looking game, and uh, yeah. the the board is truly unique because it really is. It's it's uh, it's the farm farmer field is most of the board, but they really did. You have it's punched out all throughout the center so that the peppers stay in place mm -hmm. so they won't move around. Yeah, and I did uh, did flash that for just a little bit uh, while you were talking, so people could kind of get a a look at you know the game with the uh, the uh, farming meeples uh, in the mix there on the board. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. This sounds like a great, you know, sixty to ninety minutes. I mean, if you got a bunch of friends over and you're looking to have some fun, uh, 
I, I don't see why you wouldn't pull out something like this. It, it sounds like low-level low level resource management, um, not high stakes in any way, shape, or form, but it, it does sound like uh, a fun game to, to, to try out. And uh, again, Absolutely. 30 bucks. You know, we've been talking about board games that go for, for 50 uh, 50 plus uh, in some well, cases. Well, and the normal retail on this one is actually 60. Oh, really? So if you're seeing it for 30, that's half that's off. A, that's a steal. All right. So get yourself to the uh, board game geek and uh, pick up a $30 copy of this. Don't walk, run. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for that uh, for that review, Glenn. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to jump into the news now. And uh, oddly enough, uh, Benjamin is here representing Sirenscape. The news story that I have is uh, Sirenscape-based. It is uh, about the Dragon's Demand sound pack mm. that was released. Mm. Uh, it gives I you the... Yeah, <laughs> and I really want to hear uh, more about that, too, from, from, from your perspective, Benjamin, too. Um, this gives you a complete audio solution when playing the Dragon's Demand adventure. All the preparation is done for you, and every sound you'll need is right at your fingertips. The Dragon's Demand is a deluxe super adventure for 1st through 7th level characters, and now with amazing rich accompaniment with Sirenscape, there's even more reasons to play this module. Uh, it, uh, the Dragon's Demand sound pack supports uh, the uh, epic green dragon, uh, complete with violently hissing acid breath weapon, which mm. I... Uh, uh, Look, I can play it. I'll play it. I'll play it. I'll play it for you. Okay. Ah, lovely. Oh, there's the hissing. Yes, nice. <laughs> uh, complete cobalt layer with a divine and arcane spellcasting cobalt leader. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. <laughs> We've actually got the spells there. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I just love it so much. It's great. We got oh, um, no. the most amazing. The most amazing thing about the Cobalt Lair is that uh, one of our Cobalt voice actors is uh, Wolfgang Bauer, the most uh, official Cobalt of all official Cobalts, and he, oh, he was yeah. kind enough when, when I was at PaizoCon to step up to the booth and and deliver some of his his fantastic Cobalt uh, vocals. So you you get you're getting the real thing. He's he's a real genuine Cobalt. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um. I, I like this description: a disturbingly gross and squidgy mouther creature. I just I love the word squidgy. Squidgy. We weren't use, we weren't allowed to say gibbering mouther because of um you know the the uh, licensing. So if, if people can work out what a mouther creature is, then then that's what it is. Yeah, lots of lots of disgusting, gross things. <laughs> a clockwork guardian. Mm-hmm. A small lightning elemental. And I like this. Ghouls, bears, I'm not familiar with the creature called the Gryoth. Mm, the Gryoth was a, a monster that was made in that module. When, when Paizo okay. released new modules, there's usually a couple of you know, special new monsters that appear just in that module, and they're sort of a hideous sort of demon screeching thing. So yeah, we got the voice actors to do hideous demon screeching, which was uh, disturbing to the neighbors, and, and, <laughs> but um, very satisfying for the players who get to use it in their games. <laughs> I can only imagine uh, what oh. that must be like for the people around there that can actually hear some of that work that's going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a uh, singingly roasting hot flame drake. Mm. There we go. Um, this, 
sounds really awesome, and I, I had the opportunity to uh, pull up the iPad version of the uh, Sirenscape uh, interface for, for the sounds in that app. Uh, it's mm. really amazing. And mm. uh, could you tell us a little bit more about uh, about the, the Dragon's Demand? Um, yeah, I think the, the main thing that people need to know straight up is that Sirenscape isn't just... Uh, recordings. They're not just 15-minute loops of, a, of an environment or 15-minute sort of created recording of a battle situation. I, I used to do that sort of thing when I was just uh, first getting into audio for tabletop gaming. As I said at the beginning, I'm a massive gaming fan, and but also a composer and a musician. So when I uh, wanted to have some audio at the table, I started to make you know a dragon battle with a few roars and a bit of music, and I, I made a 15-minute MP3. And you can get a lot of those on... There's some fantastic sound design on Kickstarter of people doing those. But what I found very quickly is when that loop goes round and round, you know, these, these Pathfinder battles and Dungeons and Dragons battles go on for a long time, you know, at yeah. least an hour. And and human minds are designed to notice patterns. And so this kind of the fifth time round you had you know, sort of a, a scream and then a and then a wolf and then a crash. I, I it all came down for me to this one moment where the players were in town. And they they literally stopped the role playing and sort of all all almost all together went woof woof ah oh! you know because they recognized it. and and all their attention was being drawn to sort of the inept sound design the fact that it was always the same and sort of magically yeah similar so so the whole point of Sirenscape is that it's actually dynamic uh, dynamically triggered so when you're in that dragon battle that we were talking about in Dragon's Demand at you know at the end spoiler you, there might be a dragon battle at the end of Dragon's Demand oh my god a spoiler for everyone wow um, there's 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 the sound of thudding music, just like in a movie theater soundtrack. Uh, the songs play every now and then. There's the, there's the roars of the dragon. You know, there are probably 20 different roars of the dragon, and each time uh, a random interval goes be you know, between each of those roars, and then a random roar is played, and each time a roar is played, it's in a different direction in the surround spectrum. Uh, it's got reverb dynamically applied, so if the, if, the, if the roar comes from a bit further away, then you get a bit more of that sort of cave echo and if the roar's closer, then it's louder and drier. Then there's the scratching of the dragon's uh, claws on the cave floor, which are also completely separate, controllable by the dungeon master. You can turn those off if, if you know, if the dragon's in the air, you turn off the screeching things. There's the sounds of the wings of the dragon beating, which once again are dynamic and controllable. There's, you know, uh, when you're fighting the coblin, uh, the the kobolds. There's, you know, different screams of different kobolds, which are all independent. So every single part of that sound design is in there, independently controllable uh, by you, if you like. Um, you can set up Sirenscape with some kobolds and some gryoths and a dragon, and put them all together, mix it up just like you like, save that as a preset, and then when it comes to actually playing, it's just that one touch. You know, you touch the the yeah. preset uh, dragon battle. And it all happens. So basically the whole point of Sirenscape for me was that it never, ever repeats itself. It's completely dynamic. And also it's really, really low interaction demanding from the, from the game master. So back to the actual question, which was about Dragon's Demand. <laughs> uh, so Dragon's Demand is this fantastic, quite beloved module uh, that Paizo made, um, which is a really, really great way to start for especially new players who aren't familiar with the genre you know, because it starts at first level, the, the, the playing characters that those people are going to be playing are straightforward with simple actions, and, and it steps up, you know, to that kind of that seventh level sweet spot uh, in 3.5, uh, which is 
or 3.75, uh, which is a really, really great sort of... Uh, makes you feel like an epic hero because the wizard has the fireball, the, the rogue starts to do massive amount of sneak attack damage, the, the fighter gets the iterative attacks, and so it kind of is a great way of walking players through. And what you've got here in Sirenscape, because we license with Paizo, is we've got that complete audio solution. So as a game master, you don't need to search through lots of different sound sets and find a dragon and find kobolds. It's actually all, the whole adventure is set out with a set of presets. And, you know, when it's the auction, you hit the auction. And when the Gryas attack, you just hit Gryas attack. And when the, you know, you want, the, when the auctioneer is going to bash his gavel, you just touch the basher gavel sound and, and that will happen automatically for you. So it's, and it'll sound like this. Yay! Nice. Also, what's really cool is all the big speeches from the from the monsters are uh, are in in Sirenscape. So you know when the when the big dragon appears on the roof, spoiler, and makes his massive speech, you just touch this little button. And he, he goes on and on and on. He's a very boring fellow, that dragon. And so uh, that all that sort of voice acting is done for you. You can obviously continue with the role-playing if they want to co you know, converse with a Tepper accent. But, you know, uh, so there's lots of different important events. Lots of the traps are all there ready to, to go off in the kobold lair. Oh, my God, kobolds do traps? Tell me something amazing. <laughs> so there's this fantastic poison dart trap. Ow! Oh, and I love this one. This is an alchemical fire one. They, they set off. Tra traps are particularly great with Sirenscape because you're playing, you know, the mute that sort of this spooky atmosphere is going along all dynamically cycling, so it never repeats. There's occasional creaking of, you know, makes it feel like the, the, the whole place is going to collapse on the players. And then, you know, you, you might ask them to roll a ref, uh, not a reflex save, a perception check or whatever they fail. You just touch the trap and suddenly there's this explosion of fire and crashes and, the, and not just the PCs, but the players themselves get this awful shock and sort of, oh my God, and sort of, you know, leap for, leap for cover. Um, so it's a really, really great way of bringing that sort of visceral sense of really, really being there and immersing the players. That's what, you know, that's what I always find myself talking about with Sirenscape is immersing the players in the environment, which really, really helps people to to feel the emotion, to feel disturbed, to feel epic, and uh, to keep concentration going at the table uh, really, really effectively as well. No, that's wonderful. It, and I, uh, I I, had the opportunity to uh, download the app for my iPad and just kind of get a base taste of, uh, you know, when you download the app, you get um, two sound packs, essentially. Um, yep. For free, yeah. You can you can download the app for free without even registering or anything, and you yeah. you get a base a generic sort of bugbear battle with with the sort of the typically what a fight's like, you know, swords crashing and bugbears crying out some music, and you also get a a, a sound set called the Witchwood, which is a generic spooky forest yeah. sort of location, uh, which you can use in any situation, and so you can try Sirenscape and and work out you know if it works on your device and and if you know what it's like to have it at the table, and then you can. You can subscribe to completely unlock the entire app, or you can buy individual content in the store after you watch the videos and things. Yeah, I, I just the more I dug into Sirenscape, and uh, the more I appreciate what what you've constructed, um, because like you said, the sounds are individualized. You can play 
you know, like the um, with the Witchwood, you can play the the wind sound in the background. You can adjust the audio level, uh, and then you can throw in some of the other sounds. Also, in the lower right corner of the screen, there are some preset buttons for like an ice type spell. If you cast an ice based mm. spell, or uh, lightning, mm. or a fireball, uh, just like quick sounds that you can throw in there as well. Um, but the preset concept to me is absolutely freaking amazing. So you can, as <laughs> as you're doing your game prep, you can set some things up and have it ready to go, and you can just click that button and and you can start it off, which is yeah. absolutely brilliant. I yeah, that, yeah, that was one of the big things for me. So so when I wanted to have some audio at the table, I did look at a lot of the things that were out there, and and the two big problems were a is yeah, um, you know, the quality of the sound design and that repetitious factor, which which I've, we've talked about already, but also the amount of attention some of these things take from the GM. If you're trying to trigger these sounds or search through your library or, or queue up YouTube or whatever, you know, you're turning the attention of the game master away from the players, and, and for me, that's that's a deal breaker. You know, the whole point of this thing is for us to get together with our friends and to to communicate and imagine and, and you know, pay attention to each other. And as a GM, you're already operating on overload uh, if, if you're doing it right. Yeah, <laughs> to, exactly. You know, balance the game, make sure everyone's getting sort of a bit of a bit of focus, uh, yeah. you know, work out why someone's drifting away, draw them back in, you know, keep trying to take into account the, the absolute left, you know, sort of out of left field actions that the players do and keep everything flowing along. So adding something, adding Sirenscape to the table is, is really, really easy and that's really, really important. So, you know, it really is just one touch every now and then. And yeah, as you said, if you want to set off a spell to punctuate some event or whatever, then you can do that as well, which is really cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate the heck out of that and I'm definitely mm. going to be digging more into Sirenscape uh, after this episode. Um mm. All right. Uh, yeah, I've, we'll get into the. I'm, I'm just. I'm so yeah. excited about this product that I just. I'm <laughs> Sorry, we're merging all the sections of the show completely together. I'm ruining everything. I'm no, sorry. you're not. I, I, you know, it's wonderful to be able to. I had the opportunity where I found that 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 new story about the new Sirenscape release and having you here and getting that to happen. You know, to to talk about that. Mm. Yeah, it does kind of go into our interview a little bit and talking about about the Sirenscape product, but. It's absolutely. We needed to do that, so don't don't feel bad at all. Uh, we, we haven't we haven't lost track, so we're still good. Stay um, on target. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is our Kickstarter spotlight. Uh, this is where we highlight something that uh, Glenn and I find on Kickstarter that we think is really cool and people should check out. Um, the uh, Kickstarter that we had last time we met was the voting game. It's the party game about your friends. And uh, we, we talked about this, and it's an interesting game in that you are either going to have a really good time with your friends or you're going to learn a lot of truth about yourself as a person that you may end up crying in the fetal position in the corner of the room after you play this game. There's only two ways that this is going to go. Um, just as a recap of, of this particular game, it is a game where uh, everyone is asked a question, and that question um, is either going to be, you know, something about. Oh, let me let me pull up one of the uh, test or one of the sample questions here, real quick. Uh, here we go. Who would survive the longest in a zombie apocalypse? Me. So, uh, absolutely, you would, Glenn. You've got the you've got the hat and the goggles right behind you. You're you're good to go. Um, if you 
uh, lay this card down. If, if it's your turn, you ask the question, and everybody at the table, and it, it uh, will uh, it, it'll host up to ten people. So up to ten people can play this game. And every person that plays is assigned a number. So when you play the card, you ask the question, in this case, zombie, zombie survival situation, who's actually going to make it? And everybody lays down the number that represents the person that they think would survive the zombie apocalypse. And then it's by popular vote. Whoever gets the most votes gets the point. They get to take that card and they score a point. And then you continue gameplay until you you reach the end or you know an agreed upon, maybe you put a time limit on it or a number of question limit on it. However you want to, uh, to do that, um, you can. Um, the interesting thing about it too is in this Kickstarter, uh, you are able to get the three expansions that they have for this as well. One is NSFW, so uh, 80 questions of uh, things that, uh, you know, um, kind, of, kind of rude, maybe a bit crude, crass, uh, but if you're among friends, maybe that's okay for that particular group. Uh, the second one is Create Your Own. So you get 80 blank cards, and you can create your own questions. You know, maybe they're inside jokes in your group or something of that nature. Um, and then you get another expansion called Fill in the Blank, which gives you 80, card, uh, 80 cards, uh, fill in the blank, to make each question your own. So uh, it'll give you uh, the opportunity to customize things a little bit more for your game as well. Now, $25 gets you just the core game. <clears throat> if, you, uh, if you kick in uh, $35, you get the original game plus one expansion that you can pick. 45, you pick two. 50 will get you all three of the expansions plus the original game. So for some of the costs that we've talked about, some of the games that, that, uh, that we've mentioned in the past, $50 is not that much for a really good, especially something that has a high replayable value. Um, that's not much to pay for something like that. Um, I think we kind of agreed that that would be a fun thing to do, and like I said earlier, you're going to learn a lot of truth, possibly, and, and it may damage your psyche at some level, but uh, hopefully it's all in good fun and you can walk away and still keep your friends. Uh, but um, now that I've had a day to think about it, I, I kind of want to throw this around to, to the two of you, and we're going to start with Benjamin. Let's say you've had this core game, you've got the original 80 cards, you have the group of friends, up to 10 people, and you, you play, you, know, you get through all 80 cards. Do you feel that that would have a, a high replayability, or do you think you would have to lean on the expansions and mix it up? Hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of personalizing because so many of our experiences uh, d depend on you know particular events that we went to or... Uh, and do you, does everyone get does the whole group get asked the whole each of the questions each time they go around or is it just one by one? Yeah, it is. It's presented to the group, and mm. then everybody gets to vote on that question. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's a I guess there's a fair amount of replayability there. But yeah, I think you'd really have to go for the expansions because and I think that'd be the most interesting to me. And and there's often rarely situations to ask some of those questions that you actually want to know. You know, what what do people actually think about that, or or you know that person in that situation when you're all away, or or what actually did happen. So that that's really intriguing to me. And yeah, it it is also dangerous. And um, 
<laughs> and could 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 have interesting situations. And look, you know, I I guess I guess it's not maybe the sort of game that you'd get together every Friday and play with the same group of four people either. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if, if you if you've got a rotation of different groups of friends, then I think it would work quite well for replayability. Sure. Okay. Uh, Glenn, uh, same to you. Now that now that you've had a day to think about it, uh, what do you um, think? I think it's not a lot of cards. Um, so I think that it'd be hard to play with the same group multiple times without hitting on the expansions. Um, although, I don't know, yeah, because, I mean, people's, most of those answers aren't really going to change much unless, you know, unless we actually have a zombie apocalypse and you can say, well, I guess we were wrong about Bob. He died. So now, who do we think is best going to survive this zombie apocalypse that we're currently in? Um, so, yeah, I think this one, you play through those 80 pretty quick. I mean, I mean, I know, like, with, as an example, Cards of Humanity, um, people think, oh, well, there's, like, 400 cards. How quickly do you go through that? Really, really fast. You go through that box really fast. You do. Um, it's, interesting, so, it's interesting playing uh, Trivial Pursuit, you know, where there's there's hundreds of cards and five questions on every one, and as soon as you start repeating questions, it gets, you know, it gets very boring really quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, it yes. does. Yep. Especially if you can't remember the flame and answer that you gave last time, you still get the stupid <laughs> thing wrong. Yes. <laughs> Makes it all that much more painful. I agree. All right. Yeah, I, I was just I was just thinking about that. And by, by no means, you know, it, I, I'm not saying that you know folks shouldn't get the game. Uh, their boy, their their goal is uh, seven thousand five hundred. As of this point in time that we're doing the recording of this, they're at uh, just over 5,500. Um, so they're only they're just under two thousand dollars away from hitting their goal to to make this a reality and get this out mm. to folks. So um, they're definitely striking a chord with folks. So uh, and it does seem like it would be a lot of fun. I guess the only thing that we would you know kind of caution people on is you know you might want to get the the expansions just to try to help uh, keep that that replayability going and, and mix things mm. up a bit so mm. all right well Glenn uh, you have a new Kickstarter that you are presenting to us and uh, looks kind of interesting do what I you got? oh yeah I do <laughs> yeah you do I know I do. <laughs> 100 swords which is actually Nowhere near as big as it sounds, because this is a micro deck builder. It's a two-player, uh, sword-based dungeon-crawling micro deck builder. Uh, if you're wondering what that means, what is a micro deck builder? If you're familiar with games like Dominion or Ascension, there's a lot of cards in those games. And uh, big boxes, and this is about the size of a pack of poker cards is your full game. Uh, so, I mean, this is an easy fit in your pocket, fit in your backpack, take it and go. And what it is is you have a bunch of different items, things that come in the deck. You've got your starting items, you've got special items you can find, you've got monsters you can fight. Um, and what you do is you do different things. So you can, you can uh, expend cards to move into the dungeon, you can expend weapons to kill monsters, you can expend energy to collect new items. Um, and then what you're doing is you're going through until either... You run out of cards in the dungeon, or you defeat the boss. There's always there's a boss in every dungeon. Uh, the first one is a dragon. There's also a mammoth is the second one. They have two decks currently uh, that they're doing for this. 
And at the end of the game, whether regardless of how you finish, you total up points based on the items and trophies that you collected. So items being weapons and whatnot that you collected, trophies being monsters you killed. Um, <laughs> it looks pretty darn interesting, and it's I'm I'm, I'm liking a lot of these. I mean, you know, when I had Brawl, you know, the other other week, uh, I I like these small quick play games because I like when I can go somewhere and I can fit 15 games in a backpack. <laughs> that's awesome because then it's there's plenty of options to play, and or even if, if I'm taking a trip, like when I go to Toy Fair, I'll just throw three or four extra little games in my suitcase, where they don't take up much space, but I've got plenty mm. of options to do things, and that's why I'm liking these types of games. And you're to get in on this, it's fourteen bucks uh, to get one of the two decks. You can either go for fourteen and get the Red Dragon, or you get the Blue Mammoth. Um, and it comes with a promo. They both come with the... Uh, there's a promo card as well that comes with those. You go $27, you get both of them. Both decks for 27 bucks. You save a dollar. Why would you not save a dollar to get the two? And $27 for two complete games, I think, is a great deal. And they've got tons of other things with uh, special promos and other... They've got the promo cards. They've got... Uh, and I completely lost what the other stuff was. Uh, well, they've <laughs> got uh, like the kick sword, which is a uh, special. Yes. They've got the kick sword and the starter sword, uh, which are two special cards that they have for this release for folks that get in on the Kickstarter. Um, oh, and I suppose the important thing with Kickstarter as well is that uh, they're trying to raise nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. No. They have eighteen days to go. With 898 backers, they are currently at 31,878. So, I guess they're going to hit that goal. <laughs> yeah, they um, totally blew past it. Yes, which means they've already unlocked stretch goals. Oh, and uh, uh, I'm just going to interrupt for a second. It was actually funded in under 48 hours. They hit that whoa. just that 9,999 dollar goal in in under two days. So, yeah, that's a big deal. And it's a Kickstarter so staff pick, too, which... Yes. And if you can't wait till the November 2015 release, uh, they have a, for backers, they have a tester print-and-play version, black hmm. and white, of the Red Dragon deck. I'm not sure exactly when you get that, but I'm assuming they would give you that before they give you the actual <laughs> complete deck. Otherwise, why bother? Um, they've got two add-on dungeon builder sets, which is two sets of items and monsters to help build your own dungeons. And they've unlocked rules for solo play. Oh, that is cool. So if you're if you if you played solitaire one thousand times, you're just you you want something else to do. You can play this by yourself with these uh, with these additional rules. That's cool. That is very cool. How many people still play solitaire except on their computer? I just like totally dated myself there. I see. I see people playing it on their on iPads and things now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's annoying on an iPad because yeah, it's it's better with a deck of cards because you can cheat. Which is what I usually end up doing because I find it so frustrating. <laughs> oh, uh, thank God it's not just me. All right. No, no, no. Excellent. Okay. So uh, it sounds like you're pretty excited about this, Glenn. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm pretty jazzed about this one. I, I have already got it set up in my queue to remind me to pledge to it before it expires, which I got lots of time <laughs> to do that. 
So, and it actually doesn't break until after Gen Con, so I'll know how much money I have left if I'm getting one or two decks. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, I remember Gen Con, especially when you have to travel to, uh, to Indianapolis to, uh, to, and stay there. Yeah, that gets a little, little expensive, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be at Gen Con, so I'll be coming from Sydney. So don't don't whinge about it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's a heck of a, a far distance to travel. It is the flight from Sydney to uh, Dallas, which is where we land, is the longest possible commercial leg in the world, and there's only sort of some of the A380s can actually manage it. So uh, yeah, it's it, I go insane for the last six hours of the flight. <laughs> oh, Lord, how how long of a flight is it in total from from Sydney to Dallas? Yeah, the, the the whole thing takes about twenty six hours, sort of, you know, inclu- including the changeover in Dallas, oh, uh, wow. which is pretty insane. So, I mean, I, I totally love flying for eleven hours and and nothing after that. So yeah, that, it is it is great landing in Dallas though, instead of LA because uh, it's a bit more relaxed and you get through security a bit more easily and uh, quickly. So yeah, and and look, I I, it, I I love coming over and meeting all the gamers and it. The cons are absolutely incredible, and Gen Con, of course, is just amazing and epic and huge. So it's definitely worth it. But um, but so, yeah, I've got sympathy for those traveling, but not as much as for me. <laughs> no, you've you've totally won that uh, at this point. Uh, Twenty-six hours to get to to Gen Con and flying, no less. You, you've won. Mm. You've absolutely mm. won. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Well, I think we're going to now. We're going to jump into talking with uh, Benjamin Looms about Sirenscape and and about him and and how he uh, you know got to be a part of this project and and make this happen and help facilitate expanding upon the storyteller's experience. To mm. you know, it's one thing to craft a game with words, and 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 that's pretty good. And if you're a very good wordsmith and you can you know, describe things and, and and have people play that scene in their head while you're while you're running the game, that's really good. But imagine if you had help and you had your iPad off to the side and were able to say, you know, now you're you're entering the you know the forbidding woods and you're about to go up and, and find uh, the wicked witch or, or whatever you're doing. Um, Getting to the haunted house to you know to defeat the the uh, the lich that you need to to kill to mm. to win the game or whatever, you have this backup that Sirenscape uh, offers you. You have the ability to pull out your iPad and uh, and and play those sounds and actually make an even more immersive experience for the players. So, uh, and, th- and that's you know like I said earlier, that's why we wanted to have somebody from Sirenscape come and talk to us, and by golly, if we didn't get the man who actually put the sounds together uh, to actually talk to us, which is wonderful. So uh, thank you for that, Benjamin. Um, to start off, you know, it sounds, you know, talking about earlier, you being a part of working with kids in school <clears throat> to introduce mm. them to music and to get them to express themselves musically and to, you know, see see different sides of music perhaps or 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 think yeah. about music differently what got you into music and what inspired you to become a part of that project the the Watt opera wow that that's a cool question i mean the, the very original thing that got me into music was my brother learning to play piano and so he he would have been sort of 8 and i would have been 5 and he, he played some you know simple little tunes that he was having at his piano lessons and he he never went on with it at, at all actually 
but I, I just thought it was the most amazing thing in the entire world and really wanted to do it. So, you know, my, just my mum and dad took me to piano lessons and it really took off for me. And I, it's, it's always been something that was quite straightforward music uh, for me to learn. And I put a lot of time into it and a lot of work and had some, you know, great teachers. And for me, music has an incredible power to, to, uh, for self-expression. You know, we're all familiar with the idea of music being able to express uh, without a single word a whole lot of ideas that cut right through to the soul and right through to those emotional cues. When, when we're watching a movie, we're not really necessarily aware of the musical soundtrack, but uh, once it's wrong or, or absent, you really, really notice it. None of us... None of us are watching the you know the shower scene in Psycho and thinking, you know, oh oh, there's some some dissonant uh, chromatic clusters in the violins. I think something bad is going to happen to the girl. You know, <laughs> but we all we all take that musical cue without without a, even a hesitation. And you know, we can use light motifs such as the Jaws light motif that that single little musical idea that dum, you know, and instantly we know that something terrible is going to happen. And so we're really, really familiar with that and used to that in, in films. And, uh, and you know, it, it seemed like a weird absence from the table for me. You know, wh why weren't we using this powerful medium? And I think a lot of the reason why we weren't using it is because it was a complicated, uh, time-consuming and uh, often pratfallingly uh, uh, disastrous uh, thing to add into the game. So, you know, I, I got into music because of its, its, its power to... Uh, express emotions in myself and also to activate emotions and ideas in others as well and really loved it. Okay, cool. Um, so that begs the question now, how did you become a part of, of Sirenscape? You, 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 mm. you mentioned that you have this great love of RPGs and you are mm. a, a musician, <laughs> obviously, mm. and you found a way to, to bring those together. How did you, what was that moment where you went, ah, I need to make well, this happen? That's right. I mean, as I said before, I was making uh, MP3 recordings by mixing them together. Doing home recording is something I've done for years, and and doing I have a studio, and uh, so done. I've done lots of that, and I was mixing longer and longer tracks and trying to randomly scatter, you know, audio elements within those tracks in a, in a multi, you know, track sequencer. So I would take some dragon roars and I'd put them down, and then sort of put another dragon roar ninety seconds later, and then put another dragon roar sort of forty five seconds later, and <laughs> And these tracks needed to get longer and longer because that repetition factor is a real danger. Uh, you know, humans are, are designed to notice patterns. We even notice patterns that aren't there. But, yeah. but um, that, that's, that's the scientific brain. That's the way we operate successfully in the world is by noticing those patterns. And so I found my players really, yeah, latching on to those patterns and finding them irritating and distracting, and that's the last thing you want your musical track to be. So I got to the situation where I was trying to make these tracks longer and longer, and, and it, it just occurred to me, you know, computers are really powerful at this sort of thing, at, at waiting, a ran, waiting a randomized interval, at, at, at choosing a randomized direction and cueing a random sound in, in, a, you know, in a random distance. So I uh, have always been an amateur pro computer programmer. You know, I programmed in, in BASIC on, sure. on a PC when I was 11. So I fished around for a program that had some uh, good writability and so also some great uh, uh, sort of uh, plug-in audio ca capability. And I found Python. Uh, which is not what it's written in now, but I, I found it. Um, Python was great, and I just got stuck into writing, you know, trying to find an automated way of setting off sounds. 
And so I write it. I wrote an original version of Sirenscape, uh, which I then shared online. It was working great for me, and people just just absolutely latched onto it and really encouraged me to build more sounds. And then, and then you know, requests for the interface not to suck started to come through. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then requests for it to be available on iPad came through. And then people wanted this and they wanted that. And then. You know, people are like, you totally should build this and do this more. And I'm like, ah, but I have, like, this other job. And so, yeah, and then the next step then was just was to find a business partner who was prepared to put in a whole lot of money to so we could really devote time and develop this thing properly. And we, de- we redeveloped Sirenscape in Unity, which is a, 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 a system you can use to program where you can program uh, cross-platform. We, we program for iPad and iPhone and Android and Mac and PC, all with the single code set. So we can update the software, you know, with a, a single code set and then re-release across all those platforms. Oh, nice! Which is really, really fantastically powerful, yeah. and uh, means we, yeah, we've just been able to, with a bit more tweaking, a bit, bit of uh, controlling what you show and what you don't show. We've just released for iPhone, so which is fantastic, and Android phones, so that people can use Sirenscape, just have it sitting on their table. If they're using their tablet to show PDF rules and search the web and things like that, they can have, you know, they can just have their iPhone sitting there in flight mode, obviously. No SMS messages allowed. And then, you know, (laughs) it's always available just to reach out and and with that single touch to transform from the Spooky Forest, which you spoke about before, and and just touch, you know, dragon, red dragon attack and Spooky Forest, which they've set up previously, and then suddenly there's a massive explosion of a roar and a crash, and then the music starts, and all that happens all automated, um, and automatically for them in the background. Uh, I have a serious tendency to do um, topic dr- uh, topic drift on my answers. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I, yeah. it, it's I, I wrote it. I, I wrote I wrote the original version just for myself, so I could have it at the table to fix the problem that I had. Um, and then people loved it. That's 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 the short answer to your simple question. <laughs> no, I, it, it, but it's great to get that full overview and that background of. Uh, what went on in your head and and how mm. how everything came about? So that's no, I don't don't apologize, Benjamin. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you did that. Um, you know, I, I did notice you know you do a lot of work with Paizo, mm. and we mentioned that uh, in a in a previous uh, episode that uh, Paizo is distributing for Gob and Tux, which is uh, a French product line, uh, some some properties that uh, a French company has uh, Gob and Tux. And they're going to be doing some distribution. And I was wondering, has there been any talk of you know, working with Paizo on any of the Gob and Tuck uh, properties? I haven't heard of them, actually. Oh. Tell me about them. No, so, oh. so no, not at all. We, we've been supporting the, the core Pathfinder game, which, of course, makes all the sounds completely relevant to any fantasy genre. You know, a dragon's sure. a dragon, and a goblin's a goblin, and a kobold's a kobold. Um, and we've been supporting the adventure parts. We're just about to start Hell's Rebels, which is going to be really, really cool. Lots of big <laughs> demons. Nice. Um, and, and we have a we have a sci-fi player where there's. I'm just about to launch the the laser sword battle, which Ooh. might be relevant to lightsabers. But um, and we've got blasters and giant sandworms and ship to ship battles. But yeah, now tell uh, yeah, Gob, Gob in Tux is that a French game or what is yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's a French game company. Uh, and they released uh, a few games. One's called Polaris, which is a post-apocalyptic undersea world, and mankind has been forced to uh, <clears throat> no longer be on top of Earth, but actually live underwater. 
and they have a 400-page uh, uh, core rule book that's due out in October uh, of this wow. year. Um, and they're, you know, they've got some other support uh, things like the bestiary technology guide and stuff. Um, and they also have uh, a, a Pavilion Noir, which is a uh, 500, another 500-page 500 rule book. Uh, that's going to have leather binding and other support products available. Uh, I don't have details on Pavilion Noir as to what mm. setting it actually is. That sounds amazing. I mean, so so we've got in in the sci-fi player we sort of we cover a, a kind of a broad range. So you've got street scenes with cars. You've got you've got kind of a uh, a modern hover car kind of situation. You've also got kind of the the uh, post-apocalyptic ruined city. And um, you know, so so we, we support specific games within you know specific specific um, uh, locations. But then you know, as we spoke already, you can mix together the elements from different sorts of sound sets and then save them sure. as as your custom preset. So you you pretty much cover a whole range of you know of genres. If if you if you're trying to fight ghouls, then you you know you grab some of the fantasy ghouls, uh, so they can they can become your kind of you know. Uh, Sort of zombies or whatever you whatever you like, and you mix together everything as you like it. So it's sort of Sirenscape is meant to be a tool um, to to give you kind of the whole sort of palette of sounds that you want available. And so then those those dragons demands and the hells revels and the rise of the rune lords, which is completely supported now, which is really cool. They're just a way of actually grab, grabbing an adventure path and grabbing all the sounds completely prepared for you, so that, that there's minimum preparation required on your part. Sure. So it, yeah, and also what people are doing, which is really cool, is taking different modules from all sorts of games, and they're saving these things called campaigns, which set up your sound sets all all organized and all ready in your left-hand column, so you can actually step through a particular campaign, uh, and so you've got that ready to play. So that's great to see as well. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the the brilliant things about Sirenscape is that you, you know, if you get a number of different sound packs, you can you can. Mm all the things that are relevant to your particular campaign. Maybe you're not playing Pathfinder. Maybe you're playing uh, some other system completely. It, it's not mm. a, just a product for yeah. Paizo or anything like totally. that. It is wide open to any gaming system. Yeah, and it's all about uh, reducing that uh, attention requirement at the table. F for me, that's the really, really big thing because if, if you're having to search through a long list, you know, to find a particular monster or, or something, that that's really sad if you're not spending that time focusing on what's happening at the table. So you can just you can just pull together those sound sets that you need already, and you have them all available there on the left hand side, ready to just t touch through in order. And that's something we've worked really, really hard. But look, most. Uh, most of the features either come from my own experience at the table using Sirenscape or the fans um, who also just bug me continuously with, with you know, <laughs> the, the improvements that they want, which is absolutely fantastic, you know, and, yeah. and the ideas. We're just about to incorporate uh, uh, keyword searching within the app, so you'll be able to oh, click up the top nice. left-hand side and, and just, just type goblin, and, and all, all the sound sets that have goblins in them will appear, so that, that'll be a really fast way of getting through to the sound you want if, if, <sighs> if something unexpected happens, which is pretty much usually. Sure. <laughs> you know, all I can think of, I don't know if either of you guys watch IT Crowd. Or yeah, have mm -hmm. the IT crowd. I have yes. The episode where they have the D and D episode. Oh yes. And he's got a, He's trying to play the right music, and he can't. He, he goes, "Hold on, yeah. wait, no, wait, yeah. wait, yeah, yeah." That's really mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's great. The fact that all right there. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I've, yeah. I've done that in the past. Too. I've had, I've had just like a sound, just just music, and it's always 
Nope, played the wrong one. Hold on. Let's go mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Let's interrupt all yeah. the game. You didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, that's right. But that's my situation. My, I, I, there's this moment where I, we, they were negotiating with the Nabu ambassador and my, my players, and I... I I literally put on Darth Vader's theme, you know. <laughs> so, and they never, they never trusted this woman ever again, no matter what I said, because, you know, she's down, 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 down. I was like, ah! <laughs> So, yeah, music is so powerful, you know, and associations are so incredibly true. So, yeah, it's, it's, it can be used for good or for evil. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that is so brilliant that uh, having... Having an active fan base like that that does pester you is is kind of a good is a very good problem to have um, oh, yeah. because they're you know you get people that are they're playing it and they're like oh you know I I wonder if you did this and uh, it makes for mm. such a wonderful product and that's cool that you mm. you're responsive to to the people mm. that that are that are a part of that experience so that's that's yeah. wonderful yeah. Um, in talking about the different sound packs that you put together. What is a typical process for a sound pack from start to finish? You Ooh. know, from from idea to uh, having it in the store. That's a cool question, actually. So let's think about. Oh, should we do a should we do a dragon? I guess let, let let's let's do the dragon demand final final sort of sequence, which is this big okay. this big battle with a dragon. So. Um, you know, you, you either reading the module or, or just thinking about the location, you think, what are the elements, and, and that's that's our name for the third column of Sirenscape, which is each of those different parts of the sound environment. What what elements are in that situation? So, you know, so basically for me that starts with usually some kind of basic wind noise, just a general white noise sort of hissing, uh, sort of vaguely fluctuating a little bit, but nothing remarkable sound. And that sound is fantastic for gluing together the whole scene um, to sort of helping things meld and mix together. There's always some kind of white noise. If listeners uh, pause this podcast or whatever, just listen, you know, there's maybe the sound of their computer humming or the sound of waves if they live by the sea or, or the wind <laughs> outside. So that's a really important element of the sound design. Then there's, you know... Uh, if the location is a, is a cave, there might be some dripping noises. So I, I will take... I will take some drips, which I've recorded, you know, at some point in the bathroom or, you know, and there, each of those drips is an individual sound, no reverb applied, just a bloop and a bloop and a bloop. And you need about 20 of those maybe at least. And uh, they go into Sirenscape and they become an element of the sound design. And each of those drips happens at a randomized interval, happens in a random direction in the surround spectrum at a random distance. And as I said before, if, if the drip is further away, it'll have more of that cave echo applied. So it might just be, you know, and as, as the drip is randomly closer, then, then it might be really with only just a little bit of that sort of hissing echo. So that happens. That, that, that just runs by itself, you know, completely independently of everything else. If your cave is dry for some reason because the dragon dried everything out, then you just you just touch the drip element and turn it off. Then there might be, say, if we're in a battle situation, there might be the sound of the PC's feet on the gravel floor of the cave. So that becomes one of the elements. So we've uh, sourced, you know, people slushing around their sneakers in gravel um, and you know and then then you just build up each of those elements of the sound design including the wing beats of the dragon and what I love when I'm building for path for Paizo is I love it those guys are so passionate about um, 
about what their world sounds like and the quality. So I've we've had debates back and forwards about the leatheriness and the, and the largeness of, <laughs> wow. of of different monsters' wings, which is really really great. And uh, you know I've I've had to sort of replace wings of different creatures because they were the wrong size or the wrong feel. Um, then we have the sounds of you know the axes and shields. So we've uh, I've I backed a Kickstarter for a whole lot of guys that were just literally recording the sounds of all different sorts of weapons whacking on all sorts of different materials. Oh, nice. which is fantastic! I backed those guys and I have access to you know sort of 50 different weapon impact sounds and I grab those. I don't have to process them for reverb or environment or anything like you would when you're normally building a film. I just supply Sirenscape with those those little fragments of sounds, really, really short um, samples. And then I get to make the dragon vocalizations, which are, uh, that's the really fun place. Um, so the green dragon and dragon's demand was sourced by uh, a fan who turned up to the Paizo stand and, uh, you know, auditioned by sounding like a freakish uh, screamer and recording in, into my microphone. And then, um, so his, his roars, which, are, which were amazingly impressive and fantastic, then get processed. And there's all sorts of fantastic stuff you can do. Um, there's, uh, you, you can pitch shift things down, you can shift the formant res resonance, if anyone knows what the heck that is, but it's, 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 about the, it's about that speech resonance of the voice. You can lower that so that the voice box of the creature that's speaking sounds oh, bigger. Sure, yeah, okay. Um, you, can then, you can then blend different sounds together. You can, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff. And we, we try to make, I try to make every dragon sound different. So, you know, we're not repeating. The green dragon is really, really different. The red dragon... Uh, is literally just sourced from me going, you know, which sounds pretty pathetic. Uh, but what we ended up, I'll just try and find his roar. Here we are, and it's coming through a, you know, a, like a little microphone. But have a listen to this. Mm. It's not very really loud, is it? Oh, there we go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, and this is nice. His. So that's me just getting uh, getting a little bit of phlegm in my throat, and and letting that bubble around a bit, and, and sort of sounding a bit weird, and then processing that, and then his breath weapon's great. This combines uh, the sounds of a fire sort of explosion plus his roar plus other elements as well. And look, if you want to hear it, then then just download Sirenscape yourself. And um, there's a, actually a free trial subscription where you can actually become a subscriber as in everything in the entire app is completely unlocked. Oh, wow. Uh, you, can do okay. that as, you can do that as a trial for 30 days just like you would with Spotify or whatever. And, and you, can, you, know, you can download all the content and have a go of it. You can hear that red dragon. You can hear the green dragon and dragon's demand. It's probably the most straightforward way of having a go of the app. As, as we said, you can, you can um, just download the app itself on iPad or iPhone or Android or Android phone or PC or Mac, and, and you don't even have to register or anything and just have a go of, of that bugbear battle and also, um, also that Witchwood. I'm drifting topic again, but yes, that, that's basically what the answer is. You go through the elements of the sound design, and then they all go into Sirenscape, and they all get mixed together, and that's that takes ages and ages, and balancing the timings of when things happen. I have complete control over that random period, the minimum sort of frequency with which something can happen, and the maximum sure. frequency, and then all the direction ranges and the distant range, you know, the distances and everything, and that all gets mixed together into these presets, which then everyone can use when they're when they're um when they've got it at the table. Nice, pretty cool. <laughs> so, if I'm here, you didn't you didn't record actual dragons for the sound? 
I, I did when I, when we had the when we had uh, Rise of the Rune Lords. I got goblins in to sing the goblin song. You know the famous Pathfinder goblin song, and they like literally burnt the entire studio to the ground. It was pretty much a rebuild <laughs> I've, I've, from scratch. I've never been to so Australia. Last, yeah, I've never been to Australia, Australia but. Uh, <laughs> I was just assuming because I mean Australia already yeah. has like eight thousand things that'll kill you. I just assumed you guys would have dragons still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I've decided not to get actual actual monsters into the studio anymore. I have used weird things. Um, the Wendigo cry in Rise of the Rune Lords. The Wendigo is this weird, um, sort of spooky monster that just sort of haunts you from a distance. I use uh, there's an elk in in um, in America that does this freaky throat call which travels oh, miles yeah, and miles. Yeah, and miles. yeah. So, so we just used that. We found a you know a. a a creative, there's there's a wonderful sharing community online where people share um, for attribution, so I'm able to give them credit, um, different recordings they've made. And we took one of those, and then we processed it a bit. And it sounds horrendous. It sounds really, truly disturbing, which is great. Yeah. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the dragon noises you hear in movies um, are things like horses breathing backwards and, and, you know, to get that sort of throat bubbling, horses breathing back in and things. So, yeah, it's quite extraordinary where you can get sounds from. The human voice is very powerful as well and I, I got fantastic sounds. The gryoths, as, as which you mentioned before, were yeah. were people just doing these weird sucking screams in my microphone. <laughs> oh, wow. They, they, they sound really awful, so which is cool. <laughs> so, uh, Sirenscape, making people feel sick all over the world. And, you know, and that's... Mm. You know, for people who, who play role-playing games... Uh, mm. We're, there's probably something slightly wrong with us anyway, uh, and 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 that's all right, and and, and, yeah. and we're in good company. So, it's, um, if you if you can make the players' hair stand up on the back of their necks by you know a, a basic you know human response to danger, and and that's an amazing reaction, especially if you've got you know a lot of our players are a little bit distractible, you know. Uh, maybe they drift a little bit, and Sirenscape will keep them you know, cued into the action, even when it's not their turn, because they're just uh, immersed. That's the word we use all the time. You know, sure. they're immersed literally in the audio, which is all around the room, and uh, so that that basic irresistible human fight or flight instinct kicks in. So when I talk about making people feel uncomfortable, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to, uh, you know, make them feel like they're in genuine danger, and then of course the payoff when you when you succeed uh, is is even far greater. Yeah, and you know it. What every storyteller longs to do is to play a game, to run a game where the players talk about that situation, mm. that campaign for years afterwards. Mm. That's mm. that's the mm. payoff. And to mm. have something like this where you can have sounds and have music and actually touch some of the other portions of the brain that words can't necessarily touch alone mm. and have that's that right. entire experience... You you are well on your way to to having mm. that lasting experience that people are going to remember mm. for a long time to come, and that's oh, yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I I do have another question for you because you are constantly in the market for sounds. You mentioned that you have a you know a, a number of different places that you can go to 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 find some of these sounds that people are sharing mm. for attribution. Do you find yourself taking like a recording uh, recording device of some sort and just you know yes. kind of traveling around to, to to find random things? Yes, yeah, abs- absolutely, totally. So um in the near future, we'll need a casino sound. So I was at Vegas uh, for the Gamma <laughs> Festival. So there I am wandering around with this thing that kind of looks a bit like a taser uh, <laughs> in, in the casino, sort of, you know, 
and your sample needs to be uh, to to avoid when you've got a basic background bobble, sort of verbally blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah that sound sample needs to be about four minutes or so. Uh, if it's only thirty seconds long, then whoa, you know, you, yeah. you, you notice the you notice that pattern really quickly. Um, so yeah, so I'm needing to set up sort of casually in the casino, which are some of the most uh, uh, watched places <laughs> in the entire world, and set up this slightly suspicious-looking device and hit and hit uh, record and then kind of walk away from it, ideally, you know. And uh, it's so funny. So I didn't get arrested. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I wondered if That's you got right. hassled by security. Yeah. Yeah, no, not at all, which is great. And and what's what's really interesting, so say you're trying to get some wave sounds, you know, for a beach. We have a gorgeous, beautiful, relaxing, um, stony beach. And, you know, that's it can be very hard because any sound, you know, the sound of a plane going overhead or the sound of some kid, you know, 800 metres away yelling or the sound of a car or the sound of a dog can spoil that, you know, recording. And so... Yeah, so I, I, we've been recently getting some of the other people who I'm associated with who do some environmental work um, up on some of the isolated uh, locations in Australia, like Lord Howe Island, to submit recordings because some of these places don't have a road, you know, at all, sure, which is yeah. really fantastic. And, um, yeah, I, I use recordings of, um, you know, medieval sort of, you know, towns, squares in Europe where, you know, you can't get cars in, so there's just the sounds of, of, of people sort of chatting and... Uh, and then you need that kind of general babble of people chatting in a foreign language is fantastic as well. But you, you need to make sure that no one happens to come by too close, you know, with any anything particularly clear, let alone, you know, sort of a, an Australian tourist who walks past and says, oh, it's lovely, isn't it? You know, mate, mate. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, sure. yes is the answer. And, and um and I, my ears are always listening. You know, my family laughs at me when I said, "Oh, that's an interesting sound." You know, the sound of a door sucking as it opens, and you know, the wind sort of comes through and it makes this kind of kind of noise. You know, and there I before long, I've got my recorder there opening and closing the door multiple times. <laughs> See, it, I, I can understand a little bit of where you're coming from. I I used mm -hmm. to, in almost a previous life, I used to work mm -hmm. uh, making signs. So like outdoor mm. signage, indoor signage, and things like that. And cool. there's a part of that when you work in a medium, sometimes mm. you get so overwhelmed with, God, what is that made out of? And I'll walk up to a sign <laughs> and I'll like tap my <laughs> finger on it and I'll go, God, that sounds like aluminum, you know, because it, it has a certain sound to it and it mm, has a certain feel right. to it. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, metal versus plastic. Metal is going to be mm. usually colder than plastic. So, I mean, it's that whole yeah. sensory thing. But if it's something that you were passionate about, you loved a great deal and you, you really had a good idea of what it took to make the thing, yeah, whether it yeah, be totally, audio, yeah. whether it's a physical thing, whatever, that that never leaves you. So I, I fully understand where you're coming from on that. Mm. And the, well, the way you can source sounds, you know, our, our armor foley, our sort of leathery sort of armor foley comes from from my laptop bag, which has sort of, you know, a fabric-y sort of thing and, and a few dangly little uh, zippers and, and just shaking that in the right sort of way, you know, has, has given us a great armor foley. And you know, making arrow sounds out of out of a punch on the desk for the thud of the arrow, for a, a, a swoosh of a stick a stick past the microphone for the flight in, and then literally a ruler over the edge edge of the desk going. <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> and, and and it's hilarious and and fun and you know forever entertaining. You know, and don't get me started about Star Wars sounds and the way they made some of those things. You know, it's it's, it's quite extraordinary. Very cool. <laughs> so and that. that you know you're living a good life when you can 
passionately talk about and laugh about and feel that joy of what you do. And it sounds like yeah. you're definitely doing that with Sirenscape, yeah. and that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Great place to mm. be. Hmm. All right, well, uh, we've, we've probably gone just a little bit long on, on the interview, but uh, thank you so much, Benjamin, for giving us some insight into Sirenscape, and uh, I definitely encourage people to check it out because it is a wonderful way to, to immerse people in a whole different fashion yeah. into their game. Yeah. And it's not limited to sword and sorcery. It does. It, yeah. There's sci-fi. There's all sorts of stuff. It's not limited to any mm-hmm. game system, any genre. You know, you can, and, and, and as of today, it's not limited to dungeon masters any either anymore. We now have these things called the PC sound sets. So there's a complete setup for a wizard with, with the sounds of some of his incantations like this, and then all sorts of different spell sounds and things. So if you're just sitting at the table and you've got your your iPhone there, you can just you know when you say I cast a fireball, you can just sort of touch the fireball sound and you get this massive explosion of fire and. So that's really exciting to us too. Nice. Oh, that's wonderful. It, hmm. I, I'm so I, I'm so tickled by by, by Sirenscape. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Um, okay, um, we're going to move on here. We're going to talk about Hello, my name is. That's the opportunity that uh, you uh, adventure party listeners can uh, tell us about the character that you play, that you enjoy playing, and that you played and you had such a wonderful time playing. Tell us about that character. We'd love to hear about it. If you go to galacticnetcasts.com, uh, click to the Adventure Party page, and there is a link there that says, Hello, my name is. And if you click that, you can give us just a little bit of information about yourself, the character you played, uh, the system that you played that character in, and why you think that character is so cool. Uh, we do what ask... Sounds, sounds you used with it. <laughs> we need to see. We need to add another uh, uh, field for that. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and yes, we do ask for your email address. No, we do not spam. We do not email people anything other than if we use your character's name and we talk about your character, we will email you a certificate uh, suitable for framing that you can put up and say, "Hey, you know, I, my character was mentioned on Adventure Party." Um, and uh, I want to thank you so much, Benjamin, for for joining us uh, on this great adventure. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your work and, and about Sirenscape? Yep, so go to sirenscape.com. You can misspell it into Google if you like, but it's spelled S-Y-R-I-N-scape. And you can, yeah, there you can download the app for free for all those platforms I mentioned and just give it a try. You can then register. You can, yeah, try a free trial subscription uh, so you can work out exactly what it's like to have absolutely everything working. You can jump on the forums that are there and ask questions. There's a lovely community of people there, and um, they'll help you out, or, or I'll help you out as well. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, support-based videos that, that I saw too, mm. which I thought was really wonderful. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely everything. Absolutely every sound set, which uh, you know we want, which you can buy, has a demo of that sound set, so you can hear exactly what it sounds like um, before you uh, put put any cash down. Oh, perfect! Oh, that's wonderful. Mm. Uh, yeah, why would Why would you not get Sirenscape? Is what I'm asking right now. Totally, <laughs> um, it's great. So some people are just jerks. That's why. <laughs> some people are just jerks. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's free for goodness' sake. I mean, why wouldn't yeah, you give, right. give it a try? Yeah. So. <laughs> and I want to thank you, Glenn, for, for joining us. And where can people find out more about uh, you and Mist Runner? You can find me on the Facebooks, Mist Runner RPG. You can also find Negative Global Productions and the Beaver Bunker on Facebook, as well as on YouTube. 
or just follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. I, I love that name. I've always loved that name, Naked Hobo. <laughs> ah, and, and and you've also put out three uh, short horror films that um, uh, Prey, Handy, and the third one again is Hell. Hell. Yes, so uh, people should check that out too. It's very, very good stuff. Uh, you can find All out more on YouTube. Yes, you can find it on YouTube, and if you go to the Naked Hobo Productions YouTube channel, you can uh, see those those videos. So I highly recommend people checking that out. Uh, you can check us out at uh, galacticnetcast.com. There you'll find all the different social media outlets that we're on. Uh, we're on YouTube, and you can see the unedited video version of uh, each of the uh, different meetings of the Adventure Party, and uh, we eventually take the audio from this and make an audio uh, podcast version. Uh, we're a little behind right now. <laughs> we are endeavoring to uh, to catch back up to get the uh, the audio, uh, the RSS feeds up to date, uh, but we are a little behind, and I, I do apologize on that. Uh, if you are listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, take a moment to give us a review and let us know what you think. Uh, your review, positive or negative, uh, can help shape the show uh, and let us know what we can do better, what we should do more of, or uh, just give us basic feedback. Uh, not going to ask you for a five-star review, but if you feel compelled to give us one, by golly, we'll take it. Uh, any any review that you give uh, will actually help boost uh, our visibility, so uh, I would ask, please, if you have a moment, uh, give us a review. Uh, you can leave us feedback by emailing us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com or you can call the number 805-328-3966. You can also text that number uh, as well. Uh, That number again is 805-328-3966, and leave a message, uh, text us, uh, give us some insight uh, about uh, what you think about the show. We'd love to hear it. Uh, Thank you so much for everybody for uh, joining us at the Adventure Party. May your characters never die, and your adventures always be epic. You have been listening to a presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe, give us feedback, links to our social feeds, and more, please visit www.GalacticNetcasts.com. <laughs>